0: We're at a rabbit show in Waynesville, North Carolina. Waynesville is a town of about 10,000 people located roughly 30 miles west of its way more famous neighbor, Asheville, North Carolina. And a rabbit show is, well, a great big gathering of rabbits and rabbit people. There are dozens of breeds represented here, and these bunnies are competing for best in category and best in show.
1: They are very good companions for people that have anxiety. And some
0: people don't really relate to that. And, and you see a lot of people that do. And sometimes you'll see a lot of special needs children with a rabbit. This is um Haiyan. He is a cinnamon rabbit. They are used for their meat and um, their hair if they're soft enough. I
1: have probably about 21, 22 adult breeders. But that's not just Silver Fox. There's like four or five that are a different breed. Um, There's other breeders that have a lot more than I do. I know one that's probably close to between 50 to 100.
0: I think, and especially for Rex, because I don't know if you've touched them yet, but when you touch them, you'll know what love is. I learned very quickly that while winning won't necessarily turn a bunny into a star, Losing just might turn a bunny into dinner. And as the Easter Bunny preps for his annual visit, we're going to take you inside the very weird world of rabbits, including a little human rabbit cloning experiment.
1: And then they got a small beam of light against the mirror. Light. 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 True. Weird. Stuff. Here
0: comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail with a woven basket clutched in his wee furry paws. That basket is overflowing with sweets, tiny baby chicks made of marshmallow, even tinier eggs made of fruit flavored sugar paste, bigger eggs, plump velvety fudge or coconut cream or peanut butter. And look, There's a little rabbit, too, solid chocolate or hollow, one bright blue candy eye peering over the basket's handle. But um, why is a rabbit delivering candy, including a candy version of itself? And what in the wide world does any of this have to do with the most sacred holiday on the Christian calendar? After all, there's no mention of chocolate bunnies in the Bible. And when Jesus rose on the third day, it sure wasn't to gobble a bag of jelly beans. How a cluster of pagan fertility symbols became inextricably tied to the Christian Easter holiday is a fun, weird story all by itself. But you know what's even weirder? Rabbits. Rabbits are such deeply strange critters, you guys. People have no idea. Being all cute and harmless and fluffy has helped rabbits keep their freaky secret secret. 2023 is the lunar year of the rabbit, what we used to call the Chinese New Year. Rabbits are a powerful symbol in Chinese folklore, representing longevity, good fortune, and harmony with nature. CNN interviewed this geomancy consultant named Terry Chow, who promises all of us that 2023 is going to be a much gentler 12 months, thanks to it being both a water year and a rabbit year. Now, I know about y'all, I'm not really seeing that just yet, but it's early still. And luck, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. For example, you might have a lucky rabbit's foot, but the rabbit who donated that paw probably sees it another way. And rabbits have given us loads more than just their paws. We take their pelts, we eat their flesh, and thanks to their relatively large size, docile nature and fascinating immune systems, we've used rabbits as lab test subjects for decades to further medical knowledge. As peculiar an animal as the rabbit is, details coming. It's also physiologically similar to humans. We have rabbits to thank for the rabies vaccine. Rabbit research showed us the link between HPV and cervical cancer, and now we have a vaccine for that. And every time you see a TV commercial for a cholesterol drug, thank you, bunnies. If you've been treated for COVID-19, thank you, bunnies. And for 40 years or more, rabbits were inextricably linked to human pregnancy. You know the old saying, the rabbit died to mean a person was pregnant? It comes from something called the rabbit test. Starting in the 1920s and continuing well through the 1960s, doctors test it for pregnancy by injecting a woman's urine directly into the ovaries of a small animal, most typically a rabbit. Then they dissect the animal and have a peak. The hormone HCG that concentrates in the urine of a pregnant woman causes the ovaries of the rabbit to become all kinds of deformed. I know you're thinking, um, they did what? If they had to dissect the rabbits, then didn't all of the rabbits die yes yes they did the slang the rabbit died just stuck to a positive pregnancy test result thank you bunnies for your sacrifice and thank you to whoever invented the whole pee on a stick pregnancy test that you can now buy at any drugstore so convenient and no bunnies harm rabbits have been hopping around the planet for millions of years tens of millions of years the oldest fossil evidence we have for rabbits was discovered in India in 2008 and that particular bunny ancestor lived about 53 million years ago rabbits are lagomorphs the distinction between the two has to do with tooth count rabbits have four incisors in their upper jaw rodents have two so it's a very specific and sciencey distinction but it's one that rabbit people very much want you to know and while we're being specific it's true that rabbits and rodents did share a common ancestor way back when, as in when the dinosaurs roamed. It was only after the thunder lizards had that unfortunate date with an asteroid named Extinction that smaller creatures like the prehistoric Lagomorph got a real shot at the evolutionary game of life. All rabbits are Lagomorphs, but not all Lagomorphs are rabbits in the way we think of, well, the Easter Bunny. There are pikas or conies, adorable little fur balls with small, rounded ears, and four legs that are each about the same length. There are hares, sometimes called jackrabbits, with long ears, long back legs, and big hind paws. Hares give birth to babies called leverets. They're born with fur and their eyes wide open, and they can be left entirely alone by their mothers during daylight hours because hares live hard, solitary lives, and their young need to get with that brutal program from the start. Rabbits are bigger than pikas, smaller than hares, with elongated back legs and tiny tails. Rabbit kits are born weaker and much less developed than their hare cousins, and live much more socially. A dozen or more rabbits might happily share a burrow, where a hare is more the Get off off my lawn! type, and makes a home in nests above the ground. Fun fact, think of this the next time you watch a bunny rabbit nibble a blade of grass. Lagomorphs have these folds of skin on their lips that can tuck right behind their incisors. This lets them gnaw or nibble on food while keeping their mouth cavity closed. Can you picture it? Now you try it. Come on, Max, try. Put your, tuck your lip on your Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, you can't do it, right? I don't care how much Bugs Bunny you watched as a kid. I don't care. There's no way you can eat a carrot like Bugs Bunny.
1: What's up, dad? What's cooking? What's up, duck? Oh, you're looking for bugs? Bunny bunting. Duck is gonna hunting just to get a rabbit skin, but now the rabbit's gonna get. What's up, duck? What's cooking? Hey, look out! Stop! You're gonna hunt someone with that old shotgun. Hey, what's up, duck?
0: And while we're on the subject of rabbits eating, it's not only how they eat, but what they eat. That's probably gonna make you super duper glad that you are not a bunny.
1: We really, really.
0: So many things inside the body of the bunny are unique, starting with the colon. Yeah, we're going there. As food passes through Peter Cottontail's digestive tract, the colon sorts it into stuff a bunny can digest and use. This pile heads for an organ called the cecum. The stuff a bunny cannot digest heads for the exit. And what I'm about to describe might sound really gross to us humans, but it's just the natural order for rabbits. And if you can get past your initial revulsion, it's a wildly cool thing. Rabbits max out their nutrition by eating their food twice. To pull this little trick out of their hat, you see what we did there? Bristol. Rabbits eat and then pass that partially digested food in the form of pellets. These are called Kitkatrofs, and they're packed with protein and vitamins. You know where this is going, right? Do you? Yeah. To us, it looks like rabbits eat their own poop. It's an essential part of their diet. But cacotrophs aren't poop at all. They're more like mm, reheated leftovers, kind of. Try thinking of it that way. See, all the yummy nibbles that Peter munches down get sent to the cecum, where helper bacteria literally ferment it for a few hours, breaking down whatever grasses or hay the rabbit has eaten, to extract every bit of nutrition. Then, check this out, that whole mass gets coated in a layer of mucus. Whoosh, here comes dinner. Rabbits eat their kekotrophs directly as they're passed from the body, and that coating of mucus serves a really important purpose. It helps protect the kekotrophs from the rabbit's stomach acid, which allows the whole fermentation process to continue for a few more hours. That's how bunnies manage to get every last bit of goodness from every last blade of grass they eat. That's amazing, right? Now keep in mind, we're talking about wild rabbits right now. Of course, all of this same biology applies to pet rabbits too, but humans can really screw things up by the way we feed or overfeed a pet bunny. And some people are so grossed out when they see their bunny scarfing down kekotrophs that they try to prevent that don't do it no no not only were rabbits designed to eat this way they have to eat this way and if it makes you that queasy like maybe just don't kiss your bunny on the mouth now one more thing about rabbits and food and listen this is truly nuts max listen to this
1: mm-hmm.
0: rabbits in the wild can alter the plasticity of their jaw bones based on the food that's available in real time what what Yes, rabbits are like bouncy little transformers. They are able to fit themselves perfectly to their environment. Whatever there is to eat, they adapt to eating it. Then they get their cacatrophe on and they eat it again. And if you are now thinking, wow, that is pretty awesome. Who knew? Get ready because the weird world of a bunny rabbit's innards hits a super exciting peak when it comes to reproduction. For starters, female rabbits, all female lagomorphs, have um, like a double uterus, sort of. They actually have two separate uterine horns, each with its own cervix, but no actual uterine body or what we would call a womb. This is called a bicornuate duplex uterus, 100% the norm in rabbits. And it can happen in humans, but it's crazy, crazy rare. And when it does happen in a human, it creates a very high risk pregnancy situation. But first, slow down because I'm sorry, what the heck is a uterine horn? People, I can't help you. I went to Catholic school. Sex ed was pretty much confined to a single semester taught by our gym teacher, a woman of fearsome reputation, who was, I think, roughly 100 years old, with more muscles than the rock and skin that had straight up and tanned into leather. Coach Nolan treated sex ed with the same brisk wholesomeness she brought to volleyball. She snapped off the word menstruation like she was calling a play, spoke of conception in only the mistiest terms, and left us all with the very firm impression that an aroused male was at best a volatile and unpredictable creature. I don't remember learning much in the way of anatomy at all, for being honest. And now, all these years later, I've actually had a couple of kids, and I'm pretty sure the words uterine horn have never been uttered in my presence. But a female rabbit's reproductive system is so uniquely weird that the only other animals on Earth that have one like it are the handful of mammals that lay eggs. The duck-billed platypus and the four species of egg-laying spiny anteaters. Mammals laying eggs and rabbits. I mean, how is this even possible? It's very strange. And... All this strangeness adds up to the truth of the statement, breeding like rabbits. The stereotype is true. Bunnies are super prolific breeders. One female rabbit or doe can have as many as 60 babies in a year. Rabbits don't go into heat like dogs or cats. In fact, rabbits ovulate after mating. How convenient, right? There are some other animals that do that too, like llamas, alpacas, ferrets, cats, and camels. But female rabbits have other tricks when it comes to mating. For starters, they mate only if they want to and only when they want to. And again, we're talking about wild rabbits here because pet rabbits are essentially forced to live with and mate with whoever happens to share their hutch. But a buck and a doe in the wild have the ability to choose their mate, and the does can be very picky. An interested buck spots her, and the game is on. He'll begin following her, first staying a dozen or more feet behind, watching. It's fair to call this behavior stalking. If the doe seems even remotely receptive, he'll creep closer and closer, and as he does, he puts on this sort of cocky little stiff-leg gait, And the buck also whips out this little humming sort of song to get her in the mood. And who doesn't love that kind of attention. I mean, cue up the John Legend playlist already. Meanwhile, the doe is like, "Mm -hmm, I don't see anybody. Almost like she's playing hard to get, right? The buck creeps closer and closer. And if his intuition is correct and he thinks, yeah, I'm about to go lucky. He overtakes her, squirting a little urine her way as he zooms past. Now it's on. The pair engage in a little mutual grooming.
1: Your fur is so soft and shiny.
0: Your ears are so big and impressive. And it's go time, lovers. And here's another rabbit cliche that turns out to be absolutely true it's all over in a couple of seconds. The instant the buck rings his own bell, he literally keels over unconscious. So much for the afterglow, right? You bucks are all the same. It's all humming and dancing till you get what you want and then you pass out. (gasps) I think I love him. And that's if the doe is receptive. She may not be. And if she isn't, a buck needs to take his humming and his little stiff-legged dancing somewhere else because no means no, bunny. But let's say this time the buck was successful. Now he's out cold, recovering from those heroic four seconds of rabbit romance. This is our chance to go inside the body of the female bunny where so many strange and wonderful things can and do happen. For starters, female rabbits can mate in any season. They can mate while they're already pregnant. They can mate while they're lactating. But the strangest and most wondrous thing about her body is how incredibly sensitive she is to her environment. When food is scarce and survival is threatened, the doe may reject mating altogether. And if she does mate and become pregnant, a doe under some sort of environmental threat may reabsorb her litter. Yup, that means just what you think. She's pregnant, looks around, thinks to herself, this is no place for a helpless baby bunny to be born. And she shuts the pregnancy down. The embryos are reabsorbed into her body and she's free to keep living her best life or accept the next mate who happens by. And this sensitivity to their environment, driven almost entirely by food, has led to a unique relationship between wild rabbits and people. Rabbits are wizards at dealing with humanity. We come barreling into their peaceful meadows and forests, tearing down trees, bulldozing the earth, carving out pathways and roads, and so much noise, noise, noise. Rabbits watch us and they're like, hmm, what have we here? At first, we humans create nothing but chaos. We disrupt their burrows, their feeding, their ability to produce young. Panic does reabsorb their litters. Hierarchies are disrupted. Rabbits are social animals and they live in community groups. All seems lost, except... Rabbits have us figured out. They watch us building our roads and erecting our fences. And then... They use those very roads and pathways to spread out and expand their own territories. Wild rabbits have even been known to travel along railway lines. And when Beatrix Potter wrote the now classic story, The Tale of Peter Rabbit, she may have taken some creative liberties with how the bunnies were dressed, but the raiding of Farmer McGregor's garden and Father Rabbit ending up baked in a pie, that's facts. Rabbits know what a garden is. And their ability to find food in our backyards is part of why they are so successful in the wild. And of course, humans, for all our complaining about bunnies getting into the veggies, have long relied on rabbits as a food source of our own. Which brings me back to The Rabbit Show in Waynesville. I had no idea what to expect. We walked into an enormous room packed with cages, stacked upon cages upon cages of every imaginable breed of bunny and crowded with rabbit breeders and their families. Taking up the length of one entire wall of this huge space were long, narrow tables. Each table was covered end to end with a sort of cage made of chicken wire. I learned that these cages are called rabbit judging coops. The coops are divided into compartments with a door on each end. The breeders open one door, stuff a bunny inside, close it. The judge standing behind the table then opens the door on their side, snatches the bunny out of the coop, and commences to judging each animal. What are the judges looking for? Specifics depend on the breed, but overall health, muscle tone, eye color, tails, ears, paws, just some of the basics. And rabbit judges work fast explaining what they're seeing and feeling as they go.
1: Fawn Buck beats him. I like his fur a little better, but Fawn Buck's got better body, so he can go back.
0: <coughs> I like this buck. It was fascinating, because to my untrained eye, most of the bunnies in any given breed looked alike. There were the Jersey Woolies' tiny pug face balls of gray fluff. The Rex Rabbits, with fur so velvety that they hardly seemed to reel. The Flemish Giants, looking like they'd escaped from a Cadbury Cream Eggs TV commercial. The Holland Lops, so small and sweet-natured that it's all you can do to not slip one into your pocket. And the Angora Rabbits, which looked like enormous fuzzy toss pillows. One Angora breeder wheeled her competitor to the judging coop on what looked like an A.V. cart from the local high school. With its fur blown out, the creature was easily more than two feet in diameter. It looked more like something Lady Gaga would wear on her head than any living animal you can imagine. Hundreds and hundreds of rabbits moved in and out of the judging coops. The breeders all patiently waiting their turn. Everyone crowding and jostling and edging their way past towers of cages. Clusters of folding chairs grouped around makeshift picnics. Just a constant hum of noise and chatter. And rabbits, 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 all of whom seemed surprisingly calm and zen, given that they're a species that's known to be a little bit jumpy. It was loud and bright and packed. Let me tell you something about rabbit people. They are kind and patient. And I know this because I spent several hours asking these complete strangers lots of questions. And many of my questions were more than a little bit on the stupid side. And as the morning wore on, I began to understand that rabbit breeders, like farmers, have very different relationships with their animals. Okay, I know people eat rabbits. I've been to the state fair. I've seen the meat rabbit exhibit. I've seen rabbit on restaurant menus. I've actually even tried rabbit a time or two. I didn't like it, but that might be the way it was prepared or more likely, honestly, it might be because in my head, Rabbits are friends, not food. Look, I just wasn't prepared for what I learned at the rabbit show. I thought a rabbit show was going to be like a dog show or a cat show. You know, a show for pet bunnies. But breeder after breeder as they explained why they loved the lops or the woollies or the satins or the rex never failed to mention how very delicious these rabbits were. So I asked the question. The first person I asked was a gentleman from Georgia. He was there with his fiance, a woman who assured me that all of their bunnies were very well loved and very very spoiled. So I have to ask you guys, and I am a carnivore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you how do you eat one of your bunnies? <laughs> like how does that work?
1: Um, the only way I've had it so far, a friend of ours cooked it for us. Um, she's put the whole rabbit in a crock pot and let it sit and simmer and eventually the meat was able to fall off or we were able to pull the meat off and made barbecue rabbit
0: folks you're just not going to hear that at the westminster kennel club dog show no matter how many times i asked the question how can you eat your bunnies no matter how i phrased it every answer i got was in the form of a recipe the last breeder i spoke to about it nodded her head and said you're a city person, right? She said, life on the farm keeps you closer to where your food comes from. She said, we can love these animals and care for them and be nourished by them. And then she added, plus it does cost to keep them. If they're not superstars, they're dinner. Dinner, or a jaw-dropping scientific experiment. Back in August 2003, an odd article appeared in the Washington Post. Journalist Rick Weiss reported that Chinese scientists had succeeded in creating hybrid embryos containing both rabbit and human DNA. Their stated goal was to develop a plentiful source of embryonic stem cells for both research and ultimately for medical use. The majority of the resulting clone DNA was human. The remainder was mitochondrial DNA from rabbits. They didn't implant these clone embryos, and existing research suggests that they would never grow into a viable fetus even if they were implanted, which means that for today at least, the idea of a wild bunny man from Shanghai is the stuff of sci-fi and urban legend, but the very existence of a human rabbit clone caused an international uproar over the ethics involved. A biologist at Harvard called the experiment a big advance, saying it could lead to new insights and knowledge in human development, along with many practical medical applications. A professor of bioethics at the University of Wisconsin-Madison argued that the cloning experiments had followed ethical guidelines and should be permitted to continue. The Catholic Church entered the chat with a hearty, absolutely not. Speaking for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, Richard Dorflinger called the human rabbit-cloned embryos, quote, human enough to merit the same protections granted human life. It's just enough, isn't it, to make your imagination run wild. What special gifts or traits might we borrow from our bunny friends? And what might the world look like if rabbits, with their strange and wonderful ability to adapt their bodies in real time to their environment? What if rabbits were suddenly intelligent, sentient, and the same size as us? Why do I have the feeling that the tables might turn on Mr. McGregor? And perhaps this time, it's the farmer who ends up baked in the pie. It's a lot to think about as you bite the ears off that chocolate bunny. A whole new perspective on those trembling, balls of fluff that freeze into perfect stillness when you come upon them in your yard. It's no accident that those rabbits are there. They know you. They know your ways. They've adapted to live with you side by side. And no matter how many of them you try to wipe out, I promise they'll just make more. So we learned a lot that day at the rabbit show. One breeder told us the dog people were
1: crazy. Cat people are weird, but there's nothing worse than chicken people. So be on the lookout for the True Weird Stuff team at a chicken show near you. For Tommy, he's got colored legs for Sue. He's got an orchid for your mommy and an Easter bunny, too. Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down that old bunny trail. happy Easter day.
0: Next time on True Weird Stuff UFOs are in the news like nothing I ever imagined in my lifetime. Pentagon officials, Department of Defense, respected astronomers all saying there's something out there. But if the universe is teeming with intelligent life, where is everybody? We think we have the answer on the next True Weird Stuff. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, hit the plus button in the top right corner and now it helps an independent podcast like ours to get discovered. And we really appreciate it if you subscribe, rate, and review True Weird Stuff. Hit our website, trueweirdstuff.com, for show notes and photos and videos when we have it and bonus content. Everything True Weird is waiting for you at trueweirdstuff.com and follow True Weird Stuff on Instagram and Twitter. True Weird Stuff is a now media production. Our executive producer is Anthony Garcia. The show is written and hosted by me, Sherry Lynch, along with my deeply weird director, Max Sweeten. Our equally odd producer is Carrie Bowser. Additional production by the mysterious Stephen Call. Our digital witch and social media cult leader is Heather Furr. Original graphics by Kevin Nash. Original artworks by Olivia Axlinn. True, weird, original music composed and performed by Jack Griffin and Zayn Nash. Copyright 2023, now media. All rights reserved. All wrongs remembered.